0: welcome to feed your faith i'm your host courtney Kopak, and i'm a christian food and body image coach i spent most of my life hating my body and feeling frustrated with food then god stepped in and showed me something so supernatural in his word it transformed my life forever now i have peace around food and feel comfortable in my body i am teaching female followers of christ all over the world how to find this exact same food freedom through a deeper faith in jesus Join me in fellowship here every week as I discuss biblical scriptures directed towards how to treat and love our own bodies, as well as share personal struggles and thoughts around food and body image and the role God plays in both. I also talk with other women of faith who share their personal stories and wisdom around God's grace in putting a final end to their own food and body image drama. This episode is brought to you by my free seven-day devotional, Seven Steps to Food Freedom Through Faith. If you're ready for some answered prayers around your food struggles and body image issues and want to start living abundantly in the life God has waiting for you, where you are truly free from binging, food restricting, and yo-yo dieting, get my free seven-day devotional, Seven Steps to Food Freedom Through Faith. Go to com slash sign up for free devotional. That's com slash sign up for free devotional. And now let's get to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining me on Feed Your Faith today. I'm your host, Courtney Kopeck, and this episode for the podcast is all about feasting and getting our party time on. Um, there is a lot of debate out there about whether or not food is something that we're supposed to really be enjoying or if it's a lot more for nourishment. And I just wanted to spend the day going over this awesome Bible verse found in Nehemiah which is such a cool book. It's super small, it's not one of the most popular ones, but I really kinda dig those the most sometimes because they've got these little jewels of, you know, information and inspiration in them that you wouldn't normally sort of seek out, but they're very important. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with Nehemiah, this book is about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and God sends Nehemiah to go and do this. And um, it's actually Nehemiah's job in the in the kingdom. He works for the king as basically the food taster. He has to taste everything the king eats and drinks to make sure it's not poisoned. So this guy knows a lot about good food. I think that's just kind of interesting as a side note, that that is his job. And the end of the book is sort of celebrated by um, Nehemiah being like, Hey guys, we got this done. We finished building the wall. We had so much, you know, forces of evil against us and we still just followed through and focused on the Lord and now it's time to have a party and celebrate. So, here's the verse for you guys. It's um Nehemiah 8:10 and this is the New Living Translation. It says, "Go and Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks." And share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, When I read this verse, I just was like, yes. Thank you, God. Something to remind me that the Lord wants us to be eating rich foods and enjoying sweet drinks. And so sweet drinks here means wine. Um. Or, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's referencing wine. Perhaps people could have also meant, you know, like mixing some milk and honey. But for the most part, it really was talking about wine, right? Because that was the majority of what they drank back then during celebrations. They didn't have like vodka martinis, um, you know, in Cosmos. Although that would be really funny if they did. <laughs> I can only imagine Jesus having the blood of the cosmopolitan instead of the blood of the wine. All right, I'm going off track here. Um, but... So I want to discuss with you guys today how you sort of feel about, you know, where does food joy play a role in your life, and how much are you just sort of eating to be feeding your body, eating to be, you know, losing weight, eating to be thinner, eating to be fitter looking, Uh, because this is such an important topic, and it's one that I just personally have struggled with a lot. I, I used to anyways. Now... I've, you know, come sort of out on the other side of it. But I'm going to sort of just, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what does food joy even look like? So I know for me personally, when I was really in the thick of my dieting, uh, I did not eat a single thing out of joy. It wasn't like I ate food that I hated. It just was that I didn't eat food that I really loved. I ate kind of the same thing every day. I'm not going to share what that was because I don't want to trigger anybody into following some sort of like diet or eating habits that, you know, that I had once gone into. Um, That's not what this is about. But I'm just sort of explaining to you guys that I had a very rigid, strict way of eating. I was a macro counter for sure. And so everything that I ate, for those of you that don't know what macro counting is, it's called counting your macronutrients, which is basically having all of your foods, Fit into a scale based off of how many carbs you've eaten, how much protein you've eaten, and how much fat you've eaten. And so it kind of is like you know if you remember that pie that's from um, what is that trivia game? I can't remember what it's called. I used to play it with my family all the time. But you know those little pies in that trivia game. You guys know which one I'm talking about. It it looks like that. And so like you want certain macros to be certain sizes that you know um, over the other ones. So. I followed this and it was really difficult because you had a percentage that you had to get each macro down to. You had to eat exactly this many percentage of fats in the day and this many proteins and this many carbs. And so I would find that if at the end of the day, you know, I'd constantly be checking these macros and very anxious about it and making sure I was staying on point. And I would find that at the end of the day, if I I was off somewhere, you know, it meant, okay, even though I'm not necessarily hungry, I'm now going to go eat X, Y, and Z to try to balance these out. Or it would be that I was really hungry, but I had already reached my macros and I didn't want to throw anything off. And so I wouldn't eat anything. And it was just a very disturbing way to be going about handling my food. So uh, likewise with that, it also meant that I just would not touch anything that was super delicious or yummy for me. So we do a lot of pizza in Mass household, you know, I I live in a household of four boys. I've got three boys that are my children. And then, of course, my husband, who is just basically one big grown up boy. Um, So basically like I have four children and they love pizza. I mean, I've never met a man who didn't love pizza and I love pizza, too. But it's just like for me, that's one of my big what I call a no no food or, you know, it it was a huge no no food. It was like, no way I don't eat pizza. I just the thought of the fat. In the pizza with the carbohydrates together it just you know it it scared the living daylights out of me it was totally something off limits so every time we would sit down to have a pizza meal i'm there with a completely different meal and i remember one time my um eldest son turning to me and saying like mama you know why aren't you eating anything how come you're not having pizza with us and I'm sure at the time I had something on my plate. It was probably a salad or, you know, I don't know, some sort of scrambled egg white type thing. But, um, I was really embarrassed and it just sort of made me feel kind of cruddy. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here not enjoying this food with my family and my child's noticing that I'm eating something different. And of course he doesn't know anything about weight gain. He doesn't know anything about fat, thin, trying to look a certain way, um, So that was a moment for me that was kind of awakening in the sense of, okay, what am I doing here? You know, is this how I want to be raising my children, where they're going to be watching mommy never enjoy eating pizza with the family, never enjoying that meal, because I'm always eating a specific way. And let me just say that my specific way of eating, you know, I didn't put my family on board to be eating macros. I'm not going to tell my three-year-old twins and my four-year-old son that they need to be following a specific macro rule. I think that's actually really bad to do that for children, you know? So if it's bad to do that for children, maybe it's bad to be doing that for adults too, you know? Um, I mean, this is kind of what I was thinking during the time. Holidays were definitely another thing, and birthdays for sure. In a way, I kind of dreaded my birthday, and this is so sad because I've always been such a huge celebrator of my birthday. I just love, I mean, any day that's dedicated to me this is my personality. I'm like, yes, sweet. Um, But what wasn't so sweet was that cake was going to be served on my birthday. And I would not touch cake. I just wouldn't. And and I also kind of want to interject here and say that during the time that I was living like this, I didn't realize how restrictive I was being with my food. It did not occur to me at all. I was very, you know, sort of standing on my soapbox with it, you know, not so much telling everybody, you need to give up carbs and you shouldn't be eating sugar. It it wasn't like that. But I personally felt that I was standing on a higher level above people because I didn't eat those things. And I think that that's a trick that our mind plays on us. I think that's something that we tell ourselves because we just need some thread to hold on to, to keep ourselves, like quote unquote, in control of our food, and so if we believe that it makes us better than other people, that we're not eating certain foods, it's sort of how we're able to hold on, although not for very long, right? I mean, remember, ninety-five percent of diets fail, and they only really follow people during um, studies of people who are doing a diet. And let me just say that you know, healthy eating, quote unquote, can be a diet too. If you you know, it's it, 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 a diet is what you're what you eat. Um, I'm, I'm making that term very broad. I'm not just specifying like Weight Watchers diet. I'm saying what you eat, your diet, right? Um, if it's eating to lose weight, that is a diet. And so by, um, by following people, they usually end up stopping around like three um, year point. And, and most people gain back the weight. This 95% of the people gain back the weight between the three and five year mark. So when we're watching these people all losing weight and two years later they've still kept it off, you know, always keep an eye on what happens a few years later after that if you can because 95% of them put it back on. Not only do they put it back on, but they put on even more weight. And I'm sure anyone who's been on a diet and hasn't been able to maintain that weight loss can attest to this, right? That once you come off the diet, you actually end up gaining even more weight than when you started the diet. Um, that's a whole biological issue that I definitely will be going into in another podcast, but let's just stay focused here with what we're talking about. And so I'm saying I didn't eat cake and I felt better than other people because I didn't eat cake. Um, and I didn't get at the time how ridiculous that was because the truth is that one slice of cake is not going to make me fat. And even if it did like whatever, but it's not going to, it's the six slices of cake and the six slices of cake every day. Or the six, six slices of cake every few days. Like, that's probably going to make me put on some pounds, right? But that's also not eating in a nourishing way. And I really don't like to use the term healthy because I feel like healthy has been poisoned. I feel like that term is just a new buzzword for diet. We're not trying to diet anymore. Now we're just trying to be healthy. Well, you know what? No, I just, I don't agree with that. I think that that nourishing is a really great, strong word to use for that. And the reason why I love to use the word nourish is because it doesn't exclude food groups from it. It doesn't say that you have to not eat sugar. You cannot eat carbs. You have to skip out gluten. Forget the dairy. Nourishing your body is including all foods into your body. It means that you're accepting the fact that you're eating, whether or not you're eating because you're going to be running a 10-mile race the next day, or you're eating because you just had a rough day at work, and so you're sitting on the couch having potato chips. Neither one of those things are bad when we recognize that we're eating that way for a certain reason. And when we step back and we don't, put an emotional attachment onto that reason, we're able to really eat in a way that nourishes us, right? That fulfills a need for both hunger, fuel, and comfort, which is what food is all about, right? It's all about all three of those things. And I don't know how many of you are actually finding comfort in eating nothing but, you know three meals a day, six small meals a day, every two hours, this much protein, these many carbs, or are you finding comfort in the idea of being able to lose weight from eating that way? And I think that's a really big question that we all have to ask ourselves. It's a question that I asked myself, where is my comfort coming from, right? Because my comfort is supposed to be coming from the Lord. It's not supposed to be coming from what the scale says, the next day when I step on it, which, by the way, P.S., I don't step on a scale anymore. And again, that's another blog post for another day. Stay on subject here, Courtney. I have a tendency to just sort of bounce around. It's the ADD in me. Um, so... Now I've lost where I was. Right, so comfort. So this is what I love so much about Nehemiah. I love so much about this scripture because he is like, yes, let's get our comfort on. We have been fighting like warriors for so long trying to build this wall. We have had so many people come against us telling us that it wasn't going to get done. We weren't going to be able to do it you know we had spies sent in to to try to distract us and intimidate us and and intimidation is a huge thing that um Satan uses to destroy our progress and destroy our work for God it really is it's not you know i don't it's not even a word that i often look at very much because I don't want to admit that I can be intimidated. I like to believe that I'm a strong person. I like to believe that I've got it all together. Everything's figured out. I'm a Christian. God's on my side. You know, like, woohoo, we're going to do this. We're going to get it done. And I'm not intimidated by things. But if I just sit down and I allow the peace of the Lord to come over me and I let myself just be completely comfortable and in like a brief moment, a brief window, show the Lord my soul which really says everything intimidates me, right? Because intimidation is just simply fear. That's all it is. It's instilling fear in somebody. It's instilling fear in, in into yourself. It's allowing fear to come into you. And so, so much of the reason why we end up even going on diets in the first place, deciding that we can't enjoy food, making food just to be something that fuels us and trying to believe that emotional attachment to food plays no part. Joy with eating is no nothing that we're supposed to be doing. That's something that we have man-made created and we're really just animals and we really just need to eat for survival, right? That kind of thinking, that's what we're using to comfort ourselves now instead of what God really wants us to use to comfort ourselves. And we're using that sort of thinking to comfort ourselves through a superiority sort of role we feel superior to others because we've taken this stance on food and we know how difficult it is for others to take that same stance and so therefore we're better than others and you may think to yourself no that's not me but i invite you to seriously think think about it sit down and do a little bible study over the way that you're handling your food right now the way that you're eating your food What is it about eating that way that makes you feel good outside of the weight loss, okay? And I'm not saying that there isn't an ability to feel good off of eating salad outside of weight loss because there totally is. Like, I believe that that's the majority of what our bodies want to eat is is foods that do energize us, foods that do give us healthy hair and nails and, and like, quote unquote, like brain food and things like that. The majority of our food is not supposed to be pizza. I do believe that, right? But I also believe that there's a place for pizza. There's a place for the rich foods and for the sweet drinks. And we have to trust our bodies to know when those places, um, to know where to find those places, when to fit those places in, and to know the times to, to, to take part in that kind of eating, And also not to judge anybody based off of when they find the right times and and places to, you know, engage in that kind of eating. This is another really big issue is this judgment that we have. A lot of our own self-judgment, I think it comes out of, uh, you know, like this comparison vibe, this jealousy vibe, you know. When we go out to eat with other people who um, tend to be heavier than we are and and also are able – you know, to to not, you know, care if they decide to have a piece of apple pie. There's a part of us that's jealous. You know, we can look at that person, start judging them and and thinking, Oh, they don't care about their bodies, look how heavy they are. Um I'm so glad I'm not like that. You know, the morality starts to come in. This feeling of, again, superiority. I'm better than so-and-so. I may look like this, but at least I don't look like that. This is not a thought that God wants us to be having in our minds. It's not a godly thought at all. This is totally a Satan thought. Because he wants you to feel better than other people. He wants you to start judging other people. And so if you can make yourself feel better about what you look like and the foods you eat by sitting next to Sally so-and-so, who might be of a larger size than you, and you can look at her and think, well, at least I'm not Sally so-and-so. Also, pay attention to how you're feeling when she's eating that apple pie. Because you're at the same time thinking, geez, that pie looks good. Wish I could have that pie. But if I have that pie, I'm going to look like Sally So-and-so. But man, isn't it freeing that Sally So-and-so doesn't care. And she's just eating that pie, loving it, and having a nice time at this meal. Well, I'll go home and probably hide in my closet with a package of Oreos because I refuse to eat a slice of apple pie in front of anybody else. And what difference does it make if you think about it like from that point of view? Either you're eating the pie in front of people or you're having the Oreos in your closet when nobody's looking. Because this is the reality, right? You have to get authentically radically truthful with what you're doing with food. You cannot be keeping your focus 100% on the days where you're quote-unquote a good girl. Because if you're having days where you're still binging, you're still eating in secret, you're still pretending in front of people, that you've got it all together around your food. And meanwhile, you're constantly comparing yourself, constantly making judgments on your body, constantly wishing that you could have that cake at your birthday. You have absolutely zero control over what you're doing. And everything that you are doing in your life around food and your body is based off of self-comparison and judgment to others and intimidation from the world you live in, because the world loves to intimidate you by telling you, if you don't lose this weight, X is going to happen. If you don't look this way, Y will be your life. If you don't look this way, Z is not going to come to fruition for you. These are all the the little jolts of, of negative energy that we get sent at us on a daily basis through various messages out there. And it takes a toll and we end up living a life where everything is about controlling our food and thus controlling our weight. Or everything is about controlling our weight and thus controlling our food. And if you can step back from that and focus more on what Nehemiah is saying, which is work hard for the Lord, right? Nehemiah is not having a huge party because he lost X amount of pounds, like You never see anyone in the Bible talking about losing weight. And that right there should say to you that weight loss does not matter. Being thin does not matter. Being thin was never a description of somebody. Jesus never said, Delilah had a rockin' thin body with these rock-hard abs. I mean, he said she was beautiful, right? Like, the Bible says that Delilah was just gorgeous. But what does that mean? Every culture has a different idea of what gorgeous is. And God doesn't even feel the need to go into it, right? Because it doesn't, it only plays a minuscule role in that it attracted Samson, that's it. And other men to her. Well, you know what? Let's face it, ladies. It doesn't take that much to attract a man to you. I mean, all it takes is just a little bit of batting of the eyelashes and a little cuteness going on. And, and of course, the cuteness needs to just simply pair up with what the man finds cute because every man finds something different that he digs and every woman has a different look that sends the signal to the man to dig her, right? Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> my point is, is this. The Bible's not talking about weight loss, and so neither should you. What the Bible does talk about is celebrating with food, right? Like, even Jesus at the Last Supper, it wasn't like he got everybody together and he said, listen, guys, we're going to go hit the gym one more time before I head off to heaven. You know, guys, I'm getting hung up on the cross tomorrow. Let's get one more session at CrossFit in. I mean, (laughs) there was no CrossFit back then right? Like you couldn't get fit for the cross. You didn't want to get fit for the cross. Um, I'm going on another tangent here. He didn't say, let's just take a walk. He didn't say, let's go out and get, you know, a scrambled tofu wrap. He was like, let's chill at my house around this big table and have some delicious wine, huge hunks of bread And whatever else, like, we can find to bring to the table and come together as a community and just love on one another and enjoy the food and have a final meal. This is what life is about. Life is about spending your time finding ways to do the work of God in a way that God has been calling you to do it. And then celebrating with a meal, celebrating with love around a table. And 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 enjoying one another's company, and there's something else that's really interesting that I want to point out with this um, this Bible verse in Nehemiah, because he doesn't just say go out and grab some foie gras and you know a bottle of Chateau de Pop and sit around and keep the party going just for him and his friends. He says to go out and find anybody who doesn't have, like this super yummy delicious food and this dope wine. Anybody who doesn't have this good stuff, you got to find him and you got to give it to him. He wanted the entire, like, nation to be partying. He wanted to have a party nation going on. He wanted nobody in the kingdom to not be celebrating. And it didn't matter. He wasn't like, oh, go over to John's house and give John some good food, but don't go over to Robert's because I got a beef with Robert. It wasn't that way. And that's not God's way. It was everybody needs to be celebrating. And why? Because he was able to complete God's task that was required of him. He wasn't focusing on what his body looked like when he was doing it. He wasn't focusing on what his weight was when he was doing it. He wasn't focusing on whether or not he had a cheeseburger for lunch or whether or not he had some grilled lamb and fava beans. I mean, I'm not totally sure exactly what they ate back then besides milk, honey, figs, and pigs, but they didn't even eat pigs then. So olive oil then. We'll throw in the olive oil. We knew they loved that. Um, He was focused on his task. He was focused on what God was asking him to do. And when you are so concerned with what your body looks like, and 90% of your day's mental and physical energy is spent on that, you cannot get God's message of what he's trying to do in your life into your head. Because the first thing God is trying to do is to get you to step away from this obsessive body mentality that you've got going on. And for me, what I recognized was that I had the guys, I had the, the false name of healthy stamped on everything that I did. And I truly believed that I was living my healthiest self. And I never got that. It was really only me just trying to live a facade, just trying to prove myself worthy, just trying to not be intimidated by the world that I lived in. I want to express. There's a huge difference between eating like a normal person and eating in order to fit in. And you really have to think about where you're at in your own eating. And for me, I felt like I was eating like a normal person because I had made I had majorly created my world to resemble only people who are eating the way that I did. I followed fitness fanatics. And I, you know, this was kind of before Instagram had gotten so big. So at the time I was just getting fitness magazines and I was reading fitness books and I was at the gym six days a week. And and my story is not the same as your story. I'm not saying that we all have different walks that we're going through with our bodies and how, you know, dieting has affected us and and, and what our goals have been through dieting. I'm not saying that everyone who's listening to this podcast is looking, you know, to, to be a, a fitness model, but that was my goal except I didn't want to compete because I knew I didn't have you know the quote unquote body uh necessarily to to do that you know um but I did want to be a fitness model in my own mind. I wanted to be as strong and fit and thin and cut as I possibly could be. Um and so by doing that, I had to make my world that. I I you know I don't like comparing food to, um, alcoholism, you know, because I think a lot of people believe that food can be an addiction and, and that, that's not, that, that is just not true. Food is not an addiction. It, um, acceptance is addiction. Love is an addiction. Um, getting your needs emotionally met is an addiction. Trying to control your life so that you don't have so much stress is an addiction. Food is not an addiction. That is another podcast, again, that I will be discussing. But for right now, I'm going to try to stay on course here. So so what do we do when we have a, an addiction to something? We separate ourselves from anybody who's going to break us from our path, our goal. So when we're an alcoholic, we can't be around other alcoholics, right? Like that's obviously not a smart idea. You're doing drugs. You shouldn't be hanging out with people who do drugs. Um, when you're a Christian – it's easier for you to make your group full of other Christians, right? Because when we're not with other Christians, we tend to be more tempted. So it's only natural that we want to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded. I mean, same with political parties. We just, you know, we have the, what do you call it, the um, tribe mentality, sort of. You know, this is the way it is, the packed mentality. We're humans, we like to travel in packs, and we like to travel in packs of people that support the same sort of lifestyle and the same sort of belief system that we have. And so if you're somebody who's super into fitness, you're more likely to remain focused on your fitness if everybody in your group has the same focus, okay? The problem with this is that we get so focused on our role in the group, and competing with those around us in the group, that we end up losing our focus on what God really wants us to be doing. And I am not saying that God does not want you to be part of a group that supports and, and, and you know, supports your overall well-being. And supports the same values and belief systems that you do. Of course he wants us to have that. I mean, God in the Bible constantly talks about how he wants us, you know, to be part of a church family. He wants us to, you know, be careful like when we're out amongst wolves, right? Like to stay with the pack, the sheep. Um, But we have a purpose in doing that. And so your purpose is to constantly be renewed, to constantly be perfected, to constantly be refreshed. And if your focus is on improving yourself through your own plans, your own control, your own visions. It's not going to get done. You're always going to fail. You're always going to fall because God's never going to allow you to be successful at anything that doesn't include him 100%. It is not like Nehemiah came to build this wall with his own idea of how it was going to get done. He constantly prayed to God about what it should look like. He even at one point somebody came against him and was like, "Dude, you are too weak. This is not going to get done. Your hands are not strong enough." And Nehemiah turned around and and he prayed. He said, "Lord, make my hands strong enough." I mean, that's I'm paraphrasing there, but you know, give my hands strength. He was so specific. He didn't just turn around and say oh god help me get this done or oh lord i'm feeling so tired and weak and i don't want this guy to be right so just you know give me some more power here some more faith in you this dude came along and said man your hands are weak i bet you can't finish this and he turned around and he said lord make my hands strong that is exactly how specific we need to be in prayer around food and our bodies and that is one of the ways that I was able to be so successful in my own healing. God got me very, very specific. He didn't turn around and say, "All right, Courtney, you have to no longer watch, you know, any of these um, workout people. You can't be getting the magazines anymore. I don't want you looking at this, that, anything." That wasn't like step one. Step one was let's get specific with your prayer, and then He led me into what that, you know specificality was supposed to be through his word, through certain scriptures. Um, it was completely done in a very, well, God-like way, right? He never makes us do something that's too big to handle at first. It's always these nice little baby steps that we take, although they feel huge um, at the time, but that's where our faith comes in, right? So um, so there's a lot of lessons to be learned in, in this book of Nehemiah about Following God's plan for us and not trying to make up our own idea of how things should look simply because we are intimidated and simply because we are fearful that uh, any other plan outside our own is is just not going to be happening. It's, we don't, we're not equipped for it, right? We like to plan around what we believe we are equipped to do. And God is not that way at all. And we know this, right? God steps up and he's like, all right, that's nice that you think that you can do that. And maybe you can do that on your own. But I am going to ask you to do something way bigger. And I don't even want you to be thinking twice about whether or not you're strong enough to do it because I'll tell you right now you're not. You're not strong enough to do what I'm going to ask you to do. You're just not. But I'm strong enough, and I expect you to come and get my strength so we can get this done together. Because this is your goal. This is your plan. This is your purpose here on life. On this planet that I have created, and this human being, this soul in you that I have put purposely on this planet, knew you in your mother's womb, knit you together right there, my friend. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And it is not to be making your body an idol. It is not to be making food an idol. It is not to be making weight loss an idol. And it is not to be using all these different buzzwords and excuses that we use. I'm just trying to get healthy. I just want to have a fit body. I just, you know, my cousin stopped eating gluten and we have the same genetics. And some, you know, now I believe that I shouldn't be eating gluten or gluten is bad because gluten is created, you know, out of processed things for the most part. And we're not supposed to be eating processed foods. These are all buzzwords that we're using. And what we're really just saying is, I'm intimidated. I'm scared about the world around me, and I'm going to try to control it by controlling my food, by controlling my weight, by controlling what I look like, because that gives me some immediate results. I may not be able to get Johnny over there to ask me out on a date, but in two days, if I don't eat anything and I step on the scale, I'm going to see some results. This is why we put so much focus on our body. And so in Nehemiah, we're just simply being reminded That the focus can't be on what you believe you can do. The focus can't be on what you believe the plan should be. You know, the focus needs to be on what God is telling you you need to do. On what God's plan for your life is. And I'm telling you right now, it's not to look like a supermodel. If you look like a supermodel already, whatevs right? Like morality plays a role in here too. We're not supposed to be judging each other. We can't get upset with somebody else because we don't look the way that person looks or because they're able to eat a piece of pie and not feel guilty. And we can't, we're only supposed to be living our very best selves, focusing on the inward. And the only way we're able to do that is when we have Christ as the center. So the only way to get Christ at the center is to get, you know, your vanity out of the center. And all these other pretend excuses that we use for why we're standing here. So for me personally, I had surrounded myself with this huge fitness world to help build me up. And, it, and it, it taught me a lot and it served a purpose for me in that it brought me closer to God because it took me further outside of myself. And I'm not sure if that makes sense to you. But I believe that when we get further into ourselves, when we get further into ourselves, we get further away from God, right? When we're more outside of ourselves, more pragmatic the way that we look at the world, when, when, when our failures and our faults and our pasts and our regrets and our shames and our guilt, when all of that is not playing any sort of role in how we're navigating through the world, we're closer to God. We're further outside of ourselves. And that is what living in this world did for me. And I'm hoping that, you know, it's it's what dieting is doing for you. Like whatever you're wherever you are in your journey on this path towards, you know, healing or trying to just stop being so crazy around your food. I hope that you recognize that God is using it to bring you closer to him. There is never anything that you do that isn't already something God is using for good in your life, ever. He even says that, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God wants to prosper you. And that only happens when you seek him. The plans to harm, that's Satan, that's the devil. Quite frankly, that's your own plan, you know, because where would we be without our father? Where would we be without God? If you think about it, where would Nehemiah be if it hadn't been for the Lord stepping in and saying, man, you got to go step up and do this. You need to go rebuild this wall. I'm taking all my strength, all my power, all my supernatural forces, and I'm going to put it in you and you're going to go get that wall done. Where would Nehemiah be? I mean, he might be dead. Right? Because, I mean, his his lot in life was to be tasting the king's food and make sure it wasn't poisoned. And God was like, nah, bro, I got something better for you. This is not it. Living in this fancy palace, working for the king, you may think that you've got it all good. I mean, even though your job was a little sketchy and kind of scary, I got so much better for you. You're going to build my kingdom. You're going to rebuild it. And that is exactly what he wants us to be doing. Rebuilding the kingdom. Let God worry about rebuilding you. You go rebuild God's kingdom. He'll take care of the rest. And while you're out there doing that, while you're out there rebuilding that kingdom, have a celebration. Have a party when you see some conquering happening that isn't about you. Because I'll tell you, there's a big difference. At least I noticed this personally. There's a big difference when I see God have a win with me than when I see myself feel like I had a win, especially around my weight. Because any time I would lose pounds or look in the mirror and felt I looked a certain way, I felt prideful. I felt prideful. I didn't realize it then. Because pride is important. You know, it's, there's a, Part of pride that we need because it 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 also is what boosts our energy, but the difference is is that there's pride that you feel through God's grace and pride that you feel through your own strength, and sometimes we can confuse the two. So it's important to pray on that with the Lord and make sure that he's making clear to you. Where is your pride coming from? Is it from honoring me, from loving me, from boasting about my deeds, my abilities, my powers, my love for you? Or is it coming from the things that you yourself believe you have been able to do for yourself? If you look in that mirror and you feel a sense of pride because something about the way you look has changed in a way that lines up with the intimidation of the world, with the way the world tells you that you're supposed to be looking like. That is sinful pride. That is not pride of Jesus. That is not the pride of God. It's not a wholesome pride. It's not a giving it back to God sort of pride. And this is how the devil is so tricky with us because he can make us feel so certain that we are thankful and prideful because of God, because of who our God is. You know, how many times have you lost a pound and said, thank you, Jesus, finally. I'm seeing you work in my life. How many times has that happened? You want to know how to stay in line with that pride. You want to know how to have a holy pride, a pride that boasts of God's works and not your own, a pride that has peace surrounding it, a pride that there doesn't there's no anxiety that follows. Moments later, of oh geez, can I keep this up? Oh yeah, Sally's party is tonight. Totally not gonna have cake now. I thought maybe I might, but oh oh, I'm seeing progress. Got to restrict even more. No way, Jose. Not gonna have the chips and guac, right? That is not something that is coming from God. God's not going to sit there and tell you that you need to be restricting yourself more. God's going to tell you, go out and have a party. Something was accomplished that's holy. Let's celebrate. Let's do this. Um, But really, the very best way is just look at the Bible. Look at things biblically. Where is there a story about a woman or a man experiencing A massive weight loss a tiny weight loss a quote-unquote better body through the work through the miracle of Jesus you always have to compare what's going on in your life to Scripture and God says it all the time and we don't want to do it because it's tough work it means knowing Scripture it means looking at Scripture It means praying about scripture. It means being in the word. That's all stuff that's tough, right? Because we have the sinful nature and the sinful nature says, I have a general idea of what's going on in the Bible or I know the Bible really well, but how much are you actually taking the Bible and comparing your life to it? Where are you living in your life versus where Jesus was living in the Bible? How are they lining up? If you can't find something in the Bible, about your life that lines up with Jesus's and his teaching, then you got to get rid of it. And the only way you get rid of it is by giving it over to God. You personally, that's not your job, not your responsibility. And this is another problem. We all think we've got to be the ones to get rid of it. No, you're never going to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it by giving it over to God and then having faith that he's going to take care of it at the proper time. Another big one. Patience is huge. at the proper time, in the proper way. It's powerful for you. Okay? you got to remember that. If you look at the miracles that Jesus Christ did, they were cray-cray. He got someone to not be blind anymore. He raised somebody from the dead. What else did he do? He fed people! The miracle was not that he took some obese girl and sat her down and waved his magic fairy wand and made her turn into Cindy Crawford. That was not the miracle. The miracle was that he fed thousands of people. 5,000 people. I mean, off of what? Some fish and some bread. He fed them. There's a reason why there's talk of so much food in the Bible. And not about weight loss. Because life is about feeding yourself. All animals die if they don't eat. They must be fed. And again, I don't like comparing myself to an animal. Because animals are not the same as human beings, right? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And animals, they're adorable and they all have souls. But still, we have dominion over animals. We are not the same. A king is not the same as his servant. And a human being is not the same as the animal below him. But we are all the same in the sense that we all need food to survive. And it's not just survive physically, it's mentally too. And when you're restricting food and you're forcing yourself to eat a certain way under the guise of living healthy, under the guise of getting fitter, you're just throwing a wool over your eyes about the truth. You are afraid of death you are afraid of not living a long life where you're in control of things and you're afraid of being fat you're afraid of not fitting in and i'm not saying that by enjoying food and 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 eating wonderful blessed meals with your friends is is going to make you fat i have no idea i don't even i don't know you i don't know what your body looks like but i know for myself that When I gave in, when God helped me to just let go of that, I had peace around my food. It was not binging anymore. Do not worry that once you start letting down the walls, letting go and letting God, you're going to just turn into some whale. You're just going to turn in To whatever God wants you to be. And it's not your job to be judging that. It's not anybody's job to be judging that. The only thing that you should be judging is how much are you in love with Jesus? How far are you willing to go for his message? Because his message is not about vanity. His message is not about idolatry. Only in the sense that it is about us teaching others that these are things we have to let go of that have no place in our lives. Your body size does not have anything to do with what God's plans are for your life. It really doesn't. And I'll tell you right now, speaking from experience, I was a fat kid. All right, I grew up fat until high school. And then I just went up and down, up and down, up and down. And even at my thinnest weight, I did not feel sufficient. I did not feel powerful. I did not feel comparable. I did not feel lovable. I felt none of those things. The only thing I felt was, you got to take it a step further, Courtney you got to keep going, you got to keep moving. You got to get that scale down lower and lower and lower and lower. And when I hit a certain number that I was feeling, all right, looks like things are moving along here. There was always the fear of, you can't get any fatter. You can't gain any weight. You can't go above this number. See, maintenance is just as scary as the weight loss part because maintenance is tricky. Once you start adding in those foods again, you hear so many people say, oh, I'm just doing this until I hit my, you know, my maintenance weight. Then I'll start eating again. Really? Tell me how that goes for you. Let me know how well you do after you haven't had a birthday cake for a year and a half and it's your birthday and you decide to finally go for it. Because I guarantee you have one piece of that cake and it may not happen right then. It may not happen the next day or a week later, but somewhere near the road, down the line, somewhere near the line down the road, strike that, reverse it, somewhere down the road, near the line, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're going to pick up that donut and you're not going to be able to stop because you're not learning how to love yourself outside of what you weigh. You're not learning how to accept your body. The only thing you're learning is how to conform to the way the world tells you you need to look. The way your doctors tell you you need to be. You need to be this weight. You need to have this BMI. You think God doesn't want you to be healthy? You think he doesn't know that you need to be around to fulfill his plans? I can tell you right now, if you are eating in a normal way, no more binges. And that doesn't mean I don't binge anymore because I don't eat any more sugar. I'm talking about being able to have so much peace around food that you just don't care. You can eat a cookie and you don't need to have another one. It is possible. It is possible. But it's not going to happen until you learn to love yourself beyond what the circumference of your waist is. I always tell people your weight is not your worth and it's not sadly the world tells you it is that is the message of Satan he uses it real well against us ladies he really really does it's our number one thing in life have a good body that is what we were told gotta get that good body you don't have that body you got nothing nobody wants you nobody loves you you're not gonna get the promotion at work you're not gonna get the boyfriend you're not gonna get the marriage You're not going to get the admiration of your neighbors, the admiration of the women in your church group. You're not going to get those comments from people in your Bible study about how good you look. You're not going to feel like you've got it under control. And that's what you're really searching for, that you've got things under control. Well, guess what? You don't. Nobody does. Only God. And if you keep being fooled by the devil that you can control your life, through the food you're eating, and the size you are, you're just going to keep prolonging the blessings. Don't worry, God will still get them to you, because that's what he does. See, that's his grace, that's his mercy. He gives us those blessings, even when we're messy. In spite of being messy, he knows we're messy. You're going to get those blessings, but you're going to prolong them. And so I say, why not take hold of them now? Why not be like Nehemiah? Why not ask God, what is your purpose here? Let him whisper it into your ear softly, gently, lovingly. Be inspired by the messages of the gospel. Hold on to those truths. Put yourself up against those beliefs and see where you're standing in them and trust Jesus. To lead you to freedom. You can have that. You can have freedom with your food. You can have peace. I got it. I got it. God showed me something amazing. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. And I'm living it every day, every single day. I have it. And it all came from His Word. And I see it in His Word now. Do you? Do you see it there? You need to. You need to be looking for it. You need to ask God. It's available to you. But you're not going to get it on your own. You're not going to get it trying to conform. Trying to be like somebody else. Trying to do what everyone else is telling you to do. It's not going to lead you to where God wants you to be. Because He's not going to let go of you until you've fulfilled his plan. He has a plan for you and you've got to figure out what that is. you've got to be praying on it. So I just want to um, end today's session by number one thanking the Lord for the book of Nehemiah for reminding all of us that life is about feasting. Life is about food. Jesus is the bread of life. His blood, we drink of it every time we drink of the wine. God does not tell us that we have to be going around exercising all day for morality. You know, that, that in order to be sin-free, we must weigh a certain size. That in order to be given his grace, we have to look a certain way. And, and, and Nehemiah reminds us of all of this. Our job is to find out what God's plan for our life is, to continually pray specifically over achieving that plan, to celebrate the moments when we feel pride in our Savior and not in ourselves, celebrate with food, rich food, sweet wine, Thanksgiving, with friends, and then go and share the blessings. And make sure there's not a single person, whether we like them or we don't, that doesn't have access to that great feast. I'm going to end everything in prayer now with, Lord, you know how much we love you, God. You know how much we just want to be following you and doing the things that you desire of us, God. But we have broken hearts. We have failures. We have rejections in life. We have pain, tribulation, confrontation, neglect, trauma. Many of us feel like orphans down here. As though we have been abandoned, but we know, Lord, that you have not abandoned us. We know, Lord, that our value and our worth does not come from what we weigh. It does not come from what waist size we are. It does not come from how big our biceps are, how flat our abs are, how perfectly round our booty is. Our worth comes from who you say we are, Lord. Your children, beloved children of your special Jesus. Help us today, God, to stop seeking comfort. From our own mirage of control, and instead seek comfort from your loving, merciful arms. Help us to be like Nehemiah today, God, where we accept the challenge of the purpose you have given here to us on earth. Share in the glory of whatever triumphs we have over the course of that challenge through food and friendship and give the blessings to others to those who we love and to those whom we don't even know we pray these things in your name Amen Thanks for joining me Remember, if you're not already a member of my Facebook group Christian Women's Food Freedom Through Faith go to facebook.com group Courtney Kopech and get the benefit of daily support from me as well as community with other like-minded women. And if you want to get to the other side of dieting where you can feel relaxed around food and beautiful in your body and grow your faith with God at the same time, head over to my website CourtneyCopec.com and sign up for my free 7-day devotional 7 Steps to Food Freedom Through Faith. And as always, remember, your weight is not your worth. I Yes.